It's about time because we're going there. Hi, friends. I know we are on a break from our regularly scheduled podcast, but in between now and when we start our next season, I wanted to pop in and spread some love. If you're new around the podcast, let me welcome you and let you know that I'm excited that you've joined us for our podcast party. I'm your host, Bianca Wattis Oltoff, and we just finished our fourth season of We're Going There. It's been my honor to create content that equips and inspires and also sometimes entertains. In between seasons of the podcast, I decided to go back to my roots. At my core, I am a word nerd and Bible teacher, so I'm sharing some teachings out of the book of James that both Matt and I shared at the Father's House Orange County back in 2020. Yes, the year of the pandemic. I also wrote a Bible study guide for the series that will help you on your journey through the book of James, and it's absolutely F-I-E-E. And if it's for free, it's for me. Hello, somebody. Hey, it's my gift to you as you journey through reading God's word. All you have to do is shoot an email over to podcast at inthenameoflove.org. That's podcast at inthenameoflove.org. And that email will be sent directly to producer Madi. So show her some love as well. When you send over that email, you'll be sent a PDF of the study guide. Again, it's free 99. If you enjoyed the podcast, it would be amazing if you left a positive review and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss one episode. I hope you enjoy the series and I can't wait for season five. If there was more in season four, then it's a vibe in season five. Love you, friends. And the new series is entitled, If You Don't Know, Now You Know. Now, some of the carnal folk will fill me on that lyric, but for everyone else, the series is entitled, If You Don't Know, Now You Know, The Bare Truth About Being a Follower. The reason why we came to this title isn't because of carnality or a throwback to one of those profound lyricists and prophets of the 90s, but it stems from an understanding of lessons learned, where we find ourselves saying, if I just would have known, my life would have been so much better. If you don't know, now you know. Now, I don't know about you, but I have had uh, some pretty traumatic I wish I would have known moments. Uh, I would say the most traumatic, most tragic, I wish I would have known moments was actually a couple years ago. I was finishing up writing my first book, Play With Fire. It was due on Friday and it was Wednesday. It was also Thanksgiving week. So we had flown to go celebrate Thanksgiving with Matt's family. And I'm on a deadline. I'm already late on my deadline, but I'm there in my hotel room, pecking away at the keys, with the weight and the pressure and the stress of trying to finish this book. And all of a sudden, my laptop goes, yes, thank you for that gasp, that traumatic, because in the moment, in a cold hotel room, my laptop just shut down and it made that sound. I tried all my might to try to restart my laptop and nothing was happening. I finally am freaking out and I'm calling Matt. I said, there's something wrong with my laptop. I don't know what's going on. It's, it's not turning on. I can't turn it on. And finally it reboots. Uh, but when it re- reboots, I lose everything. I lost my manuscript. The thing that I have been working on for almost an entire year, I had a full-time job. I would write from like 4.30 in the morning until 7 a.m. And then I would come home and write from like 8 p.m. to midnight. This was for almost a year and I saw it disappear before me. To which Matt said, calm down, calm down. Autosave saves everything. And I was like, oh, praise the lamb, hallelujah. Okay, phew, autosave. Autosave saves everything. So he goes to my laptop and he looks at me and says, did you turn on autosave? To which I'm like, okay. (laughs) I had to do that. 
Sure enough, I lost my entire manuscript and I'm having this moment. I had to call my agent and I, I just feel numb. I'm so frustrated. I, I'm talking to my agent and he said, okay, I have a question. Did you cry or did you cuss? I said, I did neither, okay? I couldn't even cry if I wanted to. I felt like Cameron Diaz in the movie, The Holiday, where she's like trying to make herself cry. I was like, ah, 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 ah. like all this hard work, it's all for vain. The one thing that I just kept me frozen was like, why didn't anyone tell me about autosave? And maybe, maybe you're watching and you're thinking, I wish someone would have told me that. I didn't know I should do that. I didn't know I could do that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. And as we go through the book of James, which the next six weeks are gonna be entirely through the book of James, I want us to walk away from the end of this series and say, I want to love God with all of my heart. I wanna live in the middle of his will. I want his purpose for my life. I want his plan for my life. And the reason why is because there is blessings in the fullness of God's plan for your life. There's blessings when you take the tenets of God's word and you apply them to your life, your life will change. And the truth of the matter is, if someone's hearing this and say, oh, James is a book full of rules. That's the problem with religion. It's just full of rules. Here's the thing, this is not about rules or, relation, or, or, or religion. These are actually tools and practical wisdom to help you live your life optimized. God's already put a plan and purpose and destiny in your life. And James is coming along to help us say, I now know what God has called for me. So in 10 years from now, you don't say, I wish somebody would have told me that. Now, the reason why we're going through the entire book of James and the reason why we put together a PDF, Matt and I put together um, a, a soul workbook for you. Uh, we firmly believe that it is the word of God that can shape and transform your life. The word of God is powerful to provide directions when you feel lost. The word of God, when applied these truths to your life, you will be blessed. Church, I cannot communicate this anymore. The problem that I'm seeing though is when we talk about the importance of God's word is that inevitably people will always say, I don't know how to read the word of God. I don't know how to read the Bible or the Bible's boring. To which I say, the Bible ain't boring, boo-boo. Maybe you are boring, okay? Because this book, as scripture tells us, is active and alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword to pierce bone and marrow, or as I like to say, ignorance and arrogance, okay? It goes right to the heart and speaks to us for what we need and when we need it. I want the word of God through the book of James and the PDF, or the, I like to say the free DF, okay? Because it's free, nine to nine. It's absolutely free. We wanna put this resource in your hand. And it's so simple. It's gonna be a couple days uh, every week, maybe two, three days where you go through the word of God. See, most of the time, it's, most people will go to their church and they'll expect some religious person that looks like they have their life together to tell them what they're supposed to do. And then you forget about it Monday through Saturday. We're hoping that this PDF is an amouge bouche. It's an appetizer that just feeds your soul to make you excited and build disciplines on what it looks like to dive into the word of God. Now, Check out James 1.22. James starts off the book and gives us the anchor for this series. He says, do not merely listen to the word so you deceive yourselves. Don't act a fool, he say. Do what it says. And I'm passionate about this because my goal at the end of this series is that we don't have any excuse not to behave like followers of Jesus. 
Because in James's book, uh, James, the book of James is referred to as the New Testament wisdom book. So in the Old Testament, there's Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, books that give us wisdom. But in the New Testament, the book of James has over 27 topics that James goes through to teach us how to win and behave as a Christian. And I want this church. I want y'all, I don't, I, some of y'all go to different churches, but for this season, for this moment that you're watching, I so desperately want you to walk in the knowledge of God, in the favor of God, to receive the blessing of God. Yeah. I don't want you to wake up 10 years from now and say, I wish I would have known. So over the next six weeks, we're inviting you to download the PDF. It's free. It's on the website. It's on the app. In fact, if you're watching on YouTube or, yes, we got one clap. Yes, yes. The faithful givers of the house made that PDF available. Shout out to Michelle McKenzie for McKinley for making that happen. Yes, yes, creative team. It's gorgeous. I, I, I like loved it. So I want us to walk away after going through the word of God and have us share our light and our life with people and whisper, if you don't know, now you know, baby, baby. Okay, so James starts off and he addresses. We're gonna dive right in. James gives us a clue about why this book is so important or technically it's a letter. He wrote a letter to churches in a general area that were facing severe persecution. I'm not talking that their coffee was cold or that their church was a mobile church and they had to move every Sunday and tear down every Sunday night. No, they faced severe persecution. And James is writing to them and he bookends the book of James in chapter one, he says that there's trial and tribulation and patience and suffering. And then he ends it in chapter five with this same concept that we are supposed to be patient in our suffering. See, this book was written in around 60 AD. So roughly 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus, James is writing to churches to remind them of our behavior as followers of Jesus Christ. Again, they're facing severe persecution and he knew that he had to communicate a truth so deep, so strong, so wide that I want to reiterate it for our church even today. We need to get over what we're currently under. In fact, that's the title of today's teaching, getting over what you're under. Because here's the truth, church, wherever you're at, this is what I know uh, about every single person watching online and every single person in this room. One, you are currently in a trial and you just feel like you are oppressed, oppressed, depressed. You just like, I can't get a break. Uh, the second person is, uh, I am in the middle of a trial and I feel like I am not gonna make it, uh, but you're on your way out. And then the third person is the person that they're not in a trial, but they don't know that one is coming. So here's the word for today. It's gonna apply to us all because trials and troubles and traumas of life, it, it, it's unavoidable. It is part of the human dilemma. And I want us to gain wisdom to overcome our trials when we feel overcome by our trials. Church, I want this to seed deep into your heart because I can't promise you that you're gonna leave church and all your trials are gonna go away. But I will guarantee you that if we pick up the wisdom of James, we will leave here on top of our trials rather than our trials being on top of us. So church, pull out your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter one. And James is gonna teach us our response to these trials. Let's pick this up in verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, 
because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you might be mature and complete, lacking nothing. If somebody watching online or in this room has a New King James Version, that word will say uh, that a man is complete and perfect, lacking nothing. Ooh. Look at verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from, from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So based on this text, the text that we just read, I'm gonna give us three ways that we can overcome our trials because trials affect everyone. And James is, is, is telling you, hey, I'm gonna give you some practical handles and I'm just gonna pull these points straight out of the text, okay? So if you are a note taker, you're the note taking type, I want you to jot down the first thing that we see here. Number one is count it all joy. And we see in verse two, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So instead of complaining and bickering and arguing and fighting, for the thing that you prayed for. People in here prayed so desperately. Oh Lord, if I could just get a husband. Lord, if you just give me a wife, if you just give me a husband, if you just give me this, I will praise you God, you'll be so faithful. And now you're complaining about the husband that he gave you, all right? Many of you are like, oh, if in my womb there is seed for a world changer. And now you are so sick of your kid, you're about to beat your kid to next week, okay? Many of you are like, God, please give me a call in life. What is my purpose and my destiny? And the Lord has revealed that to you and you're like, take it back, take it back, all right? But see, we are following the patterns of our biblical ancestors. See, the Israelites said, Lord, we want freedom. We don't wanna be slaves anymore. The Lord granted them freedom and they're like, oh, we can go back and eat leeks and onions, put us back in slavery. Then they're like, oh, we're so hungry. And the Lord provides manna and quail. And they're like, we're so tired of manna and quail. See, we can learn from our biblical ancestors. James says, count it all joy. Now, don't misinterpret it. He doesn't say, oh, feel good about the problem. Feel good about the pain. No, no, no. He's saying, choose. He says, he says, count it all joy. He didn't say, feel it all joy. No, the Greek word for count is actually an economic term. And it means to evaluate. It's an accounting term. But why is James, side note, the brother of Jesus, because there's two James in the Bible. This is James, the brother of Jesus. Why did James, the brother of Jesus, whose daddy was a carpenter, why is he talking to them in an accounting term? Because he knew that sometimes your trials won't add up. You will find out. You'll realize when you know that your trials aren't adding up, when you begin to ask these questions. Why? Why me? Why now? Why this? And James kind of flips the script. He says, let's use a different adding machine. Evaluate your trials from the standpoint of joy. What does that mean? It means having a conversation with ourselves. Say, I don't know what God is doing, but I'm gonna have a conversation with God. God, I'm choosing to believe that you're gonna work this trial for your glory, for your good, and for me. Why do we know that? Because Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for good. Chelsea Bayham, you have my back on that one. Yes, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. So God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm gonna trust you with that. I'm gonna trust you with it. This is what it means to count it all joy. So our first response should be, Lord, I'm trusting you. Lord, I'm gonna count it joy. 
See, your outlook determines your outcome. Your outlook determines your outcome. And let me just level that up. Your attitude determines your actions. See, because how you approach something is how you're going to accomplish something. Your, your, your attitude determines your actions. It's not about a feeling. Y'all, feelings are like farts. They come and go, and sometimes they stink. This is not about a feeling. This is about a conscious will, of, a decision of will. It is a mind choice. Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's back that up in verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I grew up on the New King James Version, so this translation says that the Testing of your faith produces patience. See, faith is tested in trials. It's not produced in trials. See, trials just reveal what is already there. Trials are not produced. Trials don't produce faith. Well, what produces faith? Look at what Romans tells us. Paul tells us in his letter to the Romans, in Romans 10, 17, he says this. So then faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So supernaturally, faith is built in when we hear the word of God, when we read the word of God, when we go to church, when we're in community group, when you do your free DF online. Okay, listen, that is when faith is built. Side note, there's a link in the chat box. Don't miss this opportunity. And here's the thing. We don't make any money off of this. We want to bless you because you will hear the voice of God. Your eyes will be opened and your faith will be fostered. See, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The Greek word for perseverance or impatience is this Greek word, hupomone. It comes from two Greek words, hupa, which means under, and mone, which means to stay, to remain, to abide. It is to remain under. It is the picture of somebody carrying a heavy load above them and choosing to stay, choosing to remain rather than put it down. The word is in a passive waiting, like I'm going to sit in my lotus position. I'm just going to um, let my life go by. No, it is an active waiting. It is an active endurance. It is the same sort of word that we would use for a marathon runner that is exhausted and tired. And they're saying, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. So when we are going through these trials, we are going to take the risk of feeling incredibly overwhelmed. There's a weight over our head that feels like, I just want to put it down. Maybe you are sitting here looking at me and maybe you feel the way that I look. My hands are shaking. I'm schwitzing a little bit because it's hot. And maybe we begin to have conversations where you're like, God, I can't do this. This is too heavy. I, I feel like my faith cannot hold it up. This trial is too much for me. Those are feelings. Those are fears, and those are fractions of the truth. Because if I begin to stop talking about what I'm feeling and change my mindset to say, Lord, I work out every day. I know I have the strength because you have made me strong. Lord, you have given me two hands to hold this up. And even though it's heavy, I know that your strength is with me. God, I praise you in advance for what you are going to do through this miracle. This weight is so heavy and I want to get it done, but I'm going to hold it up to be a testament of those around me that you are faithful and you work all things out to good for those that love you. So when we overcome the trials that have been put on us, we demonstrate a strength that is supernatural. It is hupomone. Then that trial that has been over you will be under you. 
No longer is this a threat. I am taking one more step of faith. God, you have not let me down. And the thing that has been over you, we're gonna see and learn and through discipline and faith, it will be under you. Now, we have a great example of this through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if you are new to the faith, just stay with me for a second. Jesus, the night before he goes to the cross to bear the sins of the world, he's in a garden, the garden called Gethsemane, and he is praying, and he's desperate, and he is going through some trials, church. He begins to pray and says, Father, Abba, which means Daddy, take this cup from me. In other words, Daddy, I don't, I, I don't want to do this. But we know, thanks to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that he remained hopa mone. He remained under the pressure. He did not move. And what do we know that Hebrews tells us? Hebrews says, for the joy. Church, let me say that again. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He didn't have joy for the crucifixion. He had joy for the resurrection. He didn't have joy for Friday. He had joy for Sunday. He didn't have joy for the trial. He had joy for what the trial was going to mean for us. The second thing that you must do to endure a trial is found in verse five. But let me geek out. Let's read verse four because it's just too good. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. For a girl that always feels not enough and yet too much, this verse just blesses me. I would love to feel mature, yes, complete, yes, lacking nothing, yes. And that blesses me, I hope it blesses you. But for the original reader of that time, these words, mature, complete, lacking nothing, in the New King James Version, perfect, it would have meant something completely different to them. During this time, Greece is having what they refer to as the pentathlon. We know it now as the Olympics. So various athletes from different regions would compete in five games, penta, pentathlon. And if you won the events, and if you completed all five events, you were referred to as perfect, mature, complete, and lacking nothing. So what James is telling them is, you are a complete winner if you persevere. Do you want to be that? James says, if you stay faithful in the trial, you will be mature, complete, and lacking nothing. But how? Look at number two in verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If you're taking note, ask God for help. You're sitting here saying like, oh, you don't get it, Pastor B. I do ask God for help. I say, take this away from me, God. This trial is too much. I don't want that. No, 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 no. Perseverance isn't tapping out, okay? Perseverance is the time where you ask for wisdom. So James tells us, count it all joy, church. Count it all joy, and then let's ask for wisdom. A couple weeks ago, we, when we opened up the church, we were so excited. We got this building. It was a miracle. We're like, yes, Lord, praise Jesus. And we wanted to invite people to come for a tour. We referred to them as a vision tour. By the way, the vision tour is online. So those that want to see what God has blessed us with, you can check it out. But it was the first week of vision tours. And we were so excited. Matt was already here and I was on my way here. And while he was here, we received a phone call from a local real estate agent that said, um, we're here for the open house. And my husband said, I'm sorry, what? He said, the open house. And then he stated our address. And Matt's like, I don't know what you're talking about. The real estate agent had informed us that our house was actually for sale and we didn't even know. I think that um, my husband and maybe some team know that I 
feel very overwhelmed easily and no one wanted to tell me because the sound of moving out of my house feels like I'm going to break out in hives at any moment. I'm very fragile and sensitive. The last thing we need is some weeping willow like, we're gonna lose our house. The house is where we started the church. This is where we got dreams and vision. Now we're gonna lose the house. But you wanna know something? I even surprised myself because James says, no, count it all joy. So when I found out, I, I sat in our living room and I looked around at this expansive place and I said, God did not give TFHOC a home so that Matt and I could be homeless. God's going to bless us with the house, and I cannot wait to testify. But y'all, I'm a hoop and moan at this trash, okay? I'm going to believe from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Y'all, I'm going to have a mansion with my level of faith, okay? I'm a hoop and moan. I'm going to ask God for wisdom. God, where do we go? God, do we buy? Do we downgrade? Do we rent? Do we move closer to the church? Do we stay where the kids are? We need some wisdom, okay? Now, I had to choose to believe, 2 Peter 2.9, God is bigger than my trials. 2 Corinthians 2.13, there is no temptation overtaking you that is uncommon to man. You know what Paul was telling the second letter to the Corinthian church? He said, don't act like you're the only one, fools. God's not singling you out. God's not picking on you. No. The reason why community in this moment is so important is because when we're in trials and we're hoopamoning it by ourselves, it can get hard. It can get real hard. But we're in community. Our community surrounds us and helps us lift the load. This reminds me of a woman who's part of our community, and her name is Cassie. Cassie um, was in a cliff diving accident with some friends not too long ago. And as she entered the water, she entered incorrectly, and she felt the lower portion of her body paralyzed. Turns out that she had fractured her spine and um, was in the hospital, surgeries, pins, needles, body brace, the whole nine. Well, she started watching the Father's House Orange County online. And when we made the announcement of a community group, she's like, nah, that's not for me. The next time that there was community groups came around, she said, well, maybe it's for me. She joined Kayla and Sierra's community group. Shout out to the college age girl community group, yes. And there she was able to process her pain, her story, questions about her faith and one day during community group she popped in and she said hey guys I have an announcement for you I watched church on Sunday and I said yes to Jesus for the first time this is the power of community is Cassie here Cassie hi Cassie oh girl get up get up Cassie get up and twirl for Jesus okay we got a testimony of it here Girl, no back brace. Listen, somebody tell me that God isn't real. Cassie, I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for being part of TFHOC. Oh, yes, yes. This is where wisdom comes in. See, it's really easy to say, why is this happening to me? But it's really hard to say, God, what are you showing me? And when we're around community, that's where we get to have honest conversations. And God will give us wisdom because he isn't shysty. He isn't chintzy. Our God gives wisdom generally, liberally, and without reproach. I'm feeling New King James today. Look at verse six. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. We read in verse eight that we read earlier that this person is a double-minded person, a split personality Christian, and they are completely unstable. 
Those are the people that say, I believe in God's will. He has me here. This is perfect. I don't know if God speaks. I don't know if God lives. Okay. This is the person that says, I know I'm where supposed to be. God has placed me here. And that's the person that's like, I got to move. This is not the place for me. Oh, this is the person who says, oh, this church is for me. This house is for me. I love God so much. And this is the person that doesn't want to come to church, doesn't want to serve, doesn't want to get a community group, doesn't want to give. These Christians want to have it their way and God's way. Mm -mm. No, these are the Christians where they want God to move, but they still want to have money moves on the side. These are the Christians that they want to see what God has for them, but they still want to control their own life. And God says, no, it doesn't work like that. You can't half-step commitment and expect a full blessing. It doesn't work like that. If you're wondering why you're going in circles around the same dang trial again and again and again and again, maybe it's because you're doing it your way. James gives us a picture, of, a word picture of this believer who's like a wave which rises in hope and then sinks back into despair. A wave of the sea is without rest. So is a doubter. A wave of the sea is unstable. And so is a doubter. A wave of the sea is driven by the wind. And so is a doubter. A wave of the sea is capable of great destruction. And so is a doubter. And James is speaking to these believers, these believers who maybe we even heard or have uttered these words. I can't rest. I'm so exhausted. I can't turn my mind off. I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about my finances. Hey, hey, God's in control. Don't be a doubter. Maybe you're sitting here and thinking like, I don't think I married the right person because we argue so much and we fight and we have nothing in common and I'm, I'm annoyed and fatigued by this person's aura and their body odor. See, this is a person where you are doubting now because of conflict. And let me tell you something, do not doubt. The Lord had put you together and the Lord is gonna equip you with what you need to remain there. You can also ask for wisdom on how, how not to murder each other because that is a gracious God that we have. Maybe you feel like in this life, you're like, this this is where I, I, don't, I don't know where I'm called. I don't know where I'm supposed to live. I don't know what job I'm supposed to have. And so the next sparkly, shiny thing that comes your way, you're like, deuces, I'm out. I'm just going to go chase that. Don't be like a wave. Be like a boat. Let me explain this. I remember being in Israel. I've had a fascination with Israel my entire life. I found out that I was half a percent Jew, Jew-ish, and it's just changed my whole life. And so I love talking to you, my fellow Gentiles, and bringing you a little perspective. Baruch haba Adonai. Yes, I speak Hebrew too. Listen, uh, my dad would teach the tours at Israel and I would organize the trip. And I had been on the Sea of Galilee before. It's very calm, it's always calm. And this particular trip, it was a gray day. And so when we arrived to the boat dock, there was a drizzle in the air. Well, the drizzle turned to a greater fall of rain. And then it turned into a torrential downpour of rain. And then it turned into a storm. And the waves were crashing against the boat so violently. I've never been that scared. There's no windows on this boat. It's a wooden boat. We're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. We in intentionally take our tours there for the stillness and the silence so that we can hear from God that we can worship and people are blowing trunks on the side of the boat. The waves are creeping in. I lean over to my dad and I said, dad, this boat is going to go under. Listen, I ain't Peter. I can't walk on water. We need to tell the captain he needs to fix this. So my dad's like, okay, go ahead. And so I went up to the captain who is just cool as a Israeli cucumber with a side of hummus. And he says, Shuhabibi, we are fine. The boat was built for exactly times like this. 
This boat, like you, is stronger than you know. This boat will not be taken over. We are built to survive the storms. Let me tell you something. You were meant to survive the storms. I am meant to survive the storms. We were built to survive the storms. We're not waves, we're boats. And when people see the faithfulness of God get us to the other side, they're gonna be hungry for that. We must hoop a Monet. We were made for this. We will get over what we are under. But to survive and thrive in trials, number one, you need to consider it all joy. Number two, you need to ask for wisdom. And number three, you need to praise God. Praise him in advance for the things that you'll see. Thank him in advance for the things that he will do. Look at verse 12. Blessed, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, the test, yes, this language is like academics. It's a graduation, it's a completion. Once those who have stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. We hoopamone because we love him. We won't move, we won't give up, we won't quit because we love him. We are stronger because he's giving us this strength. Now I don't know how long your trial is gonna take and I'm sure you want this trial to go faster, but when you survive that trial, you will receive the crown of life. Now listen. Joseph waited 13 years in prison before he became the second global leader of Egypt. And Abraham took over 25 years to offer up his son Isaac to be a father of the nation. And Moses, Moses was 85 before he stepped into leading the children of Israel. And Sarah was 90 before she became a mother. Listen, it is high time that we start acting like royalty because we are children of the most high God. We are children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So when we go through our trial and our trial, we get over our trial, guess what? Guess what? We wear our crown with a holy humility and say, I'm still here. I have made it through this trial because my God is faithful. You have not let me down. I will see you move again because you, God, are faithful.